Hey, Browns fans, it's Wednesday. It's 7 p.m. It's time for OBR Weekly. I'm Barry. The guy sharing the screen with me is legendary beat writer of the OBR, Fred Freedom. How's it going, Fred? Going pretty good for a Wednesday, Barry. little cold, oh. not ready for the snow yet, but reality was this morning there was snow on the ground here. Yeah, you got to deal with it. You're going to live in Cleveland. You're going to live in Northeast Ohio. Got to deal with the change of seasons. Got to deal with snow, and we're that sort of you know tough, uh, you know, that tough Ohio character. You know, we can live with it. Um, so good to have you here. Glad you survived the snow. Um, and uh, thank you all for joining us uh, here on OBR Weekly. Uh, as you guys know, this show is driven by your comments and questions, as always. Um, please hit us up in the chat room on YouTube and Twitch with your comments and questions, and we will react to those. That's mostly what we do here on this show. We've got a couple things that, that I've prepared. Uh, generally, we try to move on from that as quickly as possible because it's always lame. Uh, but uh, uh, just fire things off in the chat room, and, and we will get to them. All right, Fred, you were out in Berea today, so I'm going to pester you. Uh, for what you learned out there, pretending that I didn't already read your column uh, from this afternoon. It's going to cost you. <laughs> it, it, it already cost me. Um, this Deshaun week-to-week thing, I'm, I'm sick of it, Fred. Uh, I'm sick of being in limbo uh, each week. You know, Deshaun hurt his shoulder, you know, week-to-week, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was out there practicing, you know. This uh, he was out there practicing today. How do you look? It's a roller coaster, you know, and you're just sitting at home reading about it. I'm out there every day. The story, it's like copy and paste, you know. Do you realize this is six weeks now this has been going on? Day to day. Think about that. He was a game time decision for the Ravens, supposedly, and that was October 1st. Yeah. And the injury, we first learned about it the Wednesday. So I guess that would have been five weeks ago today, maybe six weeks. This is coming up on the sixth weekend. So it really is. I think everybody's tired of it. We're tired about, you know, asking about it. Yeah. And today I was expecting, you know, him to just kind of for sure not practice today and then maybe have the limbo tomorrow. But no, today they come out and he practices. He mm. actually looked good to me. I mean, he, right. he made a throw that I didn't see in the limited time before. Mm. Um, there was like a 25-yard comeback throw to Elijah Moore. I think I put it on X, you know, on my web, on my feed, but – I put like three clips of him today. If you want to check that out, I mean, but we don't know. That's the first um, twenty minutes of practice, and the first ten is stretching. So, especially with an injury, I'm sure he's just getting loose. So, I mean, some some are saying, "Well, he wasn't cutting loose," you know, and I'm like, "Well, I wouldn't expect him to cut loose." in the first 20 minutes. Right. Now they weren't going to do a full practice. They were inside today. They had a lot of guys resting and sitting out, but they were going to do seven on sevens. And Stefanski wouldn't say if he was going to do that. 
He just said he was limited, and he came out limited on the practice report. Before the Colts game on Wednesday, he practiced. He was limited. And then Thursday, he was out there. Or no, Wednesday, he didn't practice. But Thursday, practicing was limited. And then Friday, he was a full participant. We all know what happened. So I don't know what to expect. Right when I was kind of leaning that they're just going to go for sure another week with Walker, you kind of creep back in a little bit that Watson might play. You can look at it. Oh, it's the one in seven Cardinals. You know, take it easy for sure. You know, and and then having for sure with the Ravens. But right, the way we saw him at the beginning of the year, wouldn't you like him to tune up a little bit against the Cardinals if he's that close, yeah, and then right. go into the Ravens game kind of ready to go instead of taking the Ravens game to kind of get the rust back off and and so forth. So I don't know what they're going to do. But the only thing affirmative today was that PJ Walker will start if Watson doesn't go. I Mm -hmm. asked Stefanski on Monday if PJ was going to be the backup plan if Watson didn't go. And he said, oh, it's too early in the week for roster decisions. We'll update you. And in the past he had said, Yes, he's the guy. So that left the door open. Well, maybe DTR. Well, Mm -hmm. today he said, no, Walker is the guy. So at least you have that, whether that's good news or bad news. Um, But I don't really know what to expect. I think again, tomorrow we'll see what happens. But I just, you just can't gauge it, Barry, you know, because you really don't know what's going on deep in that shoulder. Right. Now, today it didn't look like he had the tape on like he did before the Colts game. We don't know if he had a harness on like he did before, so I really don't know. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he comes out to talk tomorrow. Um, Quarterbacks used to always do it on Wednesday. Last week he said, I don't know why people make a big deal. You know, in Houston I talked at least once a week. It wasn't always the same day. Well, here mm. we've always been on Wednesday. Right. Well, last Wednesday he didn't talk. So, oh, what's going on? Well, then he talked on Thursday, but he wasn't even going to play last week. So, I don't, I don't know what to expect. I think the indicator will be, you know, if he practices fall tomorrow or at least mm-hmm. Friday. But yeah. you get reports all over that they might wait another week, and I get that. But I also get a little bit of a tune-up type game so yeah i like your idea i mean if he can play you know let him play against the cardinals before he goes out there and faces the ravens at their place you know uh not exactly the greatest place to uh get your feet back under you um you know the cardinals are playing some of this quarterback roulette game as well they were gonna they were gonna start dobbs and then they pulled back from starting dobbs and now maybe it's going to be Clayton Toon making his first ever start against the Browns defense. And but maybe it's going to be Kyler Murray if he, you know, if he's ready to come back from his ACL. He hasn't appeared on injury lists recently. You know, you are out there in Berea. Is there any sense out there of who they're going to face? Or do, do, do they think it's going to be uh, Murray or Toon, or are they guessing with the rest of us? 
Well, they're all saying the right thing. Anthony Walker said we got to prepare for both of them. Neither right. have played in an NFL game this year or, or taken a snap. Now, Murray hasn't played since December 12th last year when he tore his ACL. Obviously, he's experienced. I got to believe he would be the quarterback. Why in the world would you throw a fifth-round pick? We saw what happened here. Um, and I thought he was playing games originally when he said, we're not going to start Dobbs. We're going to start one of the other two. Well, right, right now, the only quarterback on their roster is Clayton Toon because Murray is still on the pup list. He hasn't even been activated. So he's going to probably be activated Thursday or Friday. And maybe they would start Toon, but then have Murray come off the bench. I don't know, but I have to think that's a, that's a bunch of crock, you know, like would you play Kyler Murray or Clayton Toon? I, I don't right. know. You know, a lot of it, they're on their way to getting the number one pick in the draft. Do they want him to be the long-term franchise guy? Or are they looking at, you know, like like happened before in Arizona when they drafted Murray to replace the guy they drafted the year before? So I don't know. You know, Jonathan Gannon's from St. Ignatius. You know, he's coming home. I, I I don't know. I just think it's some gamesmanship. I have to believe Kyler Murray's going to play. I don't know why you would, you know, throw a fifth round kid out there against the Browns defense. Right. And I are afraid to knock Murray out of it. I, I don't know. But if I, if I read it right, their opening game of the season, he didn't announce that Dobbs was going to start until like the pregame, you know, they had everybody active and Dobbs went out and took the first snap. That's how it became who was going to be the starter. So maybe he'll do the same thing with this, but I don't think you're fooling the Browns. I mean, are you going to prepare for the rookie or are you going to prepare for Kyler Murray, the pro bowler? Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the thing is Kyler Murray has a very good track record against the Browns. Uh, he typically does well against them. Uh, and uh, he runs the RPO pretty well. Uh, and that, so far, it looks like it's pretty effective against the aggressive Jim Schwartz defense. So, Kyler Murray makes a lot of sense against the Browns. But, uh, you know, well, we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm sort of in uh, sort of in the Fred camp here thinking that uh, this might all be a uh, Jonathan Gannon ruse here. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Um, got a couple questions. I want to dive into these questions here. Uh, that we've got in one of them uh, from Red Leader 74, I want to address right off the bat, because obviously the only move the Browns made at the trade deadline, it wasn't going out and getting Jacoby Brissett or Chase Young or Montez Sweat or any of that sort of stuff. They traded Donovan Peoples-Jones for a 2025 sixth round draft pick, you know, whoopee. Um, but did the team, Red Leader 74 wants to know, did the team say anything about why? They got rid of one of their prize draft choices from 2020? No. Um, you know, ironically, on Monday with our press availability with Kevin Stefanski, when I finally got to ask my question, I asked about Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I said he had no catches yesterday, no targets, 
on the season, he has seven catches, eight catches for 90 yards. Um, this guy went just under a thousand yards last year. What's going on? He goes, Oh, we just, Amari got a lot more targets. I'm like, okay. Um, he could have just said, we're going to trade him tomorrow, Fred, you know, <laughs> as Brad has said, he had heard they've been trying to trade him for a couple, you know, weeks. Um, no, it's one of those, once they're traded, then it's like, well, we're not going to talk about him anymore. He did say what a great kid he was and really appreciate everything they did. And here's my biggest problem with that. I realize you're opening it up for Cedric Tillman and rightly so, but why wasn't Cedric Tillman active and getting passes thrown his way because he's better than DPJ. DPJ is starting. He played yeah. the most snaps of any wide receiver. He, right. he played 83% of the snaps the other day. And if it's because he's a great blocker, well, then why did you let him go for nothing? In my opinion, I know our analytics guys go, oh, you got a six-round pick for him. Well, big deal to me. It doesn't show that you're going for it this year. Maybe, maybe it wasn't worth to try to – you know, trade for a quarterback or Chase Young or somebody like that, which to me seemed very appealing for a third rounder. But mm. when you look at, um, you know, I don't think it was addition by subtraction. Um, you were talking about the rumor was you were looking to add wide receivers in a trade and you ended up trading a starter. So, right. Um, Marquise Goodwin's not getting any younger. He's 32, 33. He hasn't been getting used a lot. Maybe he'll get more snaps. But you're really putting it on Cedric Tillman and David Bell, both third-round picks. And you're assuming they're going to step up and, and show that they'll be able to uh, fill the void. I think the biggest thing is his quarterback play has been bad. And that's going to make all your wide receivers have lower numbers. But I think clearly they feel that even though they were playing three wide receivers, that um, Elijah Moore is really the two over Donovan Peoples-Jones. And they weren't going to re-sign him. And they drafted Tillman basically to take his place. When they added Marquise Goodwin, Cedric Tillman, and um, Elijah Moore in the offseason, the writing was on the wall for somebody. And they added the speed wide receiver. So one of the knocks from DPG, DPJ was that he didn't create a lot of separation. But right. I still think he had pretty good numbers last year. And unless you have a sure shot upgrade, I don't know why you move on with him for what you got. Right, right. So you're pretty convinced that it's going to be Tillman who's going to be the beneficiary of all those additional snaps. David Bell, also a you know day two pick. I think um, it'll be a committee like they do running really? backs. I think they'll split up those. David Bell missed today with, with an injury. But um, Tillman, I think, would be – he's got to at least be active, and I think he's going to be in the rotation probably – has a similar skill set to Peoples Jones. Um, biggest question is, can he block? Right, right. Because DPJ was good at that, admittedly. Um, 
OG Philly wants to know a little bit more about Tillman based on what you've seen in training camp and what you've seen in practice. What's your, uh, what's your take on him? Uh, big kid supposed to be able to get up and uh, uh, like DPJ, not necessarily get a ton of separation, but able to get the ball, uh, you know, in traffic. Uh, is that what you've seen of Tillman so far or uh, what's your take on him? Yeah. I mean, he looks good in the one-on-one individuals, you know, and that's really all we're seeing lately. He had a hip injury a week or so ago and was inactive for that. But going back to training camp, I thought he looked good. I, I saw him use him a lot in the red zone. You throw that fade where he could go up and get it. I think that's what they envisioned when they drafted him. But he has had very limited opportunities and so it's hard to even make a judgment. Again, we, we do not get to watch practice when they're really doing things. So from what Stefanski has said is that I think they felt he has progressed to the point where he can contribute, even though we haven't seen it that much in games. They must be convinced in practice from Chad O'Shea on up, Stefanski, Van Pelt, that he's ready to make a contribution or they wouldn't have been so quick to move on because right right now, you know, if Amari Cooper got injured, who's your number one, Elijah Moore. I mean, your depth now is kind of thin. You didn't add anybody. Now they did, you know, bring in James Prochet. You spend the Ravens. I had a video clip of him today. He's wearing number 15. He's on the practice squad. He might be the new punt returner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he had done, and he'd been a reserve receiver. So I don't know. I don't know if they think. Another option, keep an eye on Austin Watkins. He's toiling away on the on right. the practice squad. And you remember how close he was to making the team. He right. could very well be in the back of their mind that he could be a guy that could take some of these reps and targets. So I think they have an open roster spot. It'd be interesting to see what they do. Do they bring up Prochet? Do they bring up, you know, Watkins? Or where do they go with it? But um, they clearly were were comfortable to move on from Peoples-Jones. But I think Tillman, you drafted him because you felt high enough to go get him. So mm-hmm. – I think it's time to work into the rotation. I don't think he's immediately going to be a 10-target player a game, but you have to look at, like I just said, Peoples-Jones through six, seven games had seven catches, I think, eight catches for 97 yards. So that's basically one a game. So I don't think you're losing a lot of production, you know, the yeah. base on the way he's being used. Yeah, again, not getting a lot of separation with P.J. Walker as your quarterback might not have been inclined to throw to a guy who's uh, not got a lot of distance between him and the and a defensive back. Um, just a, a, a couple of things. Uh, if you are uh, listening in the uh, YouTube chat room, please hit us up with your comments and questions. I've got like seven or eight stashed away, but... Uh, uh, haven't heard much from the YouTube chat room, and also hit that subscribe button. Uh, it's been really fun this season watching our subscriber numbers on YouTube go up and up and up, and uh, it would be great if uh, you subscribed and uh, followed along with us this year. We're also putting in uh, uh, Berea reports from Fred 
into YouTube uh, every day from Berea uh, that you can check out. Just two minutes long, catch you up with everything that's going on in Berea going into our YouTube channel. Uh, let's deal with some of the other questions we have here. Oh, before we get to the questions, just one more thing, injury updates. Uh, there were a lot of guys on the injury report today, Fred. Uh, a ton of players on the injury report. Uh, some of the key ones, uh, Greg Newsom, uh, Dewan Jones, Alex Wright, David Bell, you mentioned before. Uh, Zadarius Smith was mentioned there. I think Stefanski said some positive things about him. Um, what's your sense on on these guys, uh, the, the the five at the bottom who did not practice? Did we get any sense of any hope that they were going to be able to play? Well, they put out a pre-practice injury report, and there was only four on it. David Bell. Greg Newsom, Dewan Jones, and Grant Delpit. Or wait, well, there was four on it, and yeah, I'm not sure which one was Alex Wright on it. Alex Wright, where's he at? Yeah, he yeah. must not have fit in the. Well, so there the was graphic. four that were not going to practice. And so we, that meant everybody else was going to practice. Then we see Jedrick Wills is on the side with the trainer and David Njoku is on the side and uh, everybody limited, not too much worried about, but as far as he was asked, he wouldn't give any update specific other than Zadarius Smith. And he wasn't on mm. the injury report. He was, he said he had a neck, but he was rest, he was rested. There was several guys that were just rested today. So I would take that the Jedrick Wills and um, Najoku might not have been that serious. I think Wills played through it the other day. So I, what I'm getting at is there's four guys that they said were injured and weren't going to practice. Alex Wright was the fourth. David Bell. Mm -hmm. Greg Newsom and Dewan Jones. We're trying to get at Newsom, Dewan Jones, if it, if he thought any of them were long term injuries, and right. he said he didn't quite know. It might be a day or two before they knew that. So okay. no specifics, but right. I'd have to think it was one of those four or two of those four. So I'm thinking Greg Newsom or Dewan Jones are probably the most significant. Maybe not. Maybe it's right. right. I don't know. You know, you're playing a guessing game when they don't tell you anything. But yeah. uh, so I'm I'm guessing since Newsom left early with a groin and as a cornerback, that to me, you know, they might be waiting for MRI results or something like that. Whether they have them or not, I don't know. But they're not telling you much um, on any of those. So I would guess Dewan Jones, to me, or Newsom are the most in danger. Although I think Dewan Jones after the game told some reporters that he was okay. So I don't know. <laughs> Mixed signals as usual from the Browns uh, when there are any signals at all uh, when it comes to injury. Well, we're mostly looking forward to the Cardinals game here on OBR Weekly. It's a Wednesday. We've left the last game behind. But there were some comments in chat about the Seahawks game. And... Uh, uh, I do want to talk about the one play that everybody's been talking about just briefly. 
manimal rights. I was at the Seattle game. Many of us Browns fans were very upset at Stefanski, many calling for, us to, for him to be replaced. The Sea Chicken fans asked, why did we pass the ball on third and three with two minutes and four seconds left in the game? The answers were unprintable. Uh, I can certainly relate to all of that. But Fred, third and three, the ball bounces off Jamal Adams' helmet. Um, in hindsight, the play call, you know, you can, of course, poke at the play call in hindsight because it didn't work. But on third and three, aren't most teams in the NFL throwing the ball these days? Yeah, most teams in the NFL seem to throw on third and one. But um, yeah. my biggest problem with that is you had a propensity to turn the ball over quarterback. You know, yeah. that's been his biggest weakness. It. You know, if you if Deshaun Watson does that, okay, um, you live and die with it. But PJ Walker, you know, about the only way you lose the game is if he turns the ball over, and that's what happened. Very similar to the Ravens uh, game, it, although that was early when DTR threw the interception. Ravens had oh, we lost Fred. We lost Fred. Um... He will come back almost immediately, I'm sure, and we will finish up uh, that question. Um, while we wait, uh, a comment from Bronze said, it sounds like someone else is telling Stefanski who is playing, uh, LOL. Uh, and uh, I was talking with Lane the other day, and Lane is all-knowing, as you as you guys have, have known for years. Uh and he tells me very directly that if anyone is basically looking to say that Haslam is, you know, trying to force things at the trade deadline or force a particular quarterback, thank, thank you, Ian, force a particular quarterback or something like that, he's not in that mode this year. Haslam is not in that mode this year. Uh, so I just want to put the kibosh on that really, really quick. All right. You back, Fred? Yeah, I am. I don't know. If every time I talk, it gets shut down. All I don't right. know where I was. <laughs> you were uh, you uh, you were talking fine until you disappeared, uh, and you were talking about the uh, the fact that uh, yeah, most teams throw on third down on and just about anything, uh, but it was a uh, quarterback with a high uh, high rate of mistakes that. Uh, was being utilized. Well, the bottom line is the defense, you know, it stopped them seven straight times. And, you know, that's where you want to, you know, at worst, run the ball, make them use their timeout, punt the ball. If you don't get the first down inside the 10, make them go 90 yards with no timeouts. I, I like my chances, but, you know, Kareem Hahn, who you gave the ball to win the game at the Colts, he hadn't really touched the ball in the fourth quarter. You give him the ball. He runs hard. He gets the first down. Or even you want to gamble, go forward on fourth down if you're short, you know. Right. But I don't like the call to throw the ball, especially with P.J. Walker in that situation. You know, the defense, that – what I was saying is that turnover kind of, I think, jump-started Geno Smith and the Seahawks. They had been in a malaise – and then the game is kind of given to them, put back out on a silver platter for them, 
and they took advantage of it. So, yeah, you know, I, it's just a very is, tough that, decision. That That is so weird. It's one of the things that you see in, in just about every sport when there's a turn of events like that, suddenly the offense is, becomes effective when it, when it had been doing nothing, you know, uh, since the first quarter. And then all of a sudden, once again, they're moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, Kevo wanted to know what the gripe injury was uh, for Newsom, whether it was a rib or a groin. It is a groin injury, for the record. It is a groin injury. Uh, let's see here. Um, got a whole bunch of other questions here. Uh, Les Roche from the YouTube chat room said, Are you sure Murray is going to be ready on Sunday? Today was the first time he's practiced since his injury. Well, that's not he, true. It's not true. He's practiced for two weeks. He just hasn't been active. He was a full participant today. He was a full participant last week, at least the end of the week. And the coach said he's fully healthy. It's really, you know, yeah, he hasn't played in any preseason or any regular season game. So, I don't think it's a question of health. It's just, yes, is he up to speed enough where they're willing to put him out there? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. I'm getting a bunch more questions, so uh, just marking them here. Uh, Sancho Bermuda wants uh, probably ready to place a bet here and wants to know your prediction for the Cardinals cha- game, percent chance that the Browns win. He says he sees it at about a 60% chance for Browns win. What's your take on this game so far, Fred? Well, I mean, it's a very winnable game. They're one and seven. That's that's what you do in the NFL is you to be a playoff team, you got to win the games that you're supposed to win. And the Browns in their history haven't done that. They have a golden opportunity, I think, in the next five games. They can set themselves up for the for the stretch run. The, the combined records of the teams in the next five games is like 0.435. And a lot of that is the Ravens are six and two. If you take the Ravens out of the equation, the combined records of the next five teams or four of the five teams is 35%. So they should be able to beat all those teams. The toughest mm-hmm. are the Ravens and the Steelers. And if you're going to have any chance to win the division, you're going to have to win those games. But um, I look at the stats, you know, as far as the sheets, James Conner is their bell cow. He's out. Right. That's the best area of their team statistically is rushing the ball. They're fourth in the NFL and rushing, right? The Browns are second, but their top two rushers are out. James Conner, number two is Josh Dobbs. He got traded. Right. The number three guy is who's currently on top of the depth chart. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but he's he's out of practice at least today. I have to keep an eye on if he practices tomorrow. Amari DiMarcado is didn't practice today, has I think a toe injury. And um so we'll see, but if, if Murray's playing, he's good, but their their offense has been pretty bad. They're only averaging 18 points a game. They're like 26 in the NFL. 
and their defense isn't much better. So that's why they're one and seven. Ironically, one of their best stats is turnover ratio. They're 14th. They're plus one on the season, whereas the Browns are at the bottom minus seven. So we know that just that the average person watching these games, the Browns, you could make a case would have won all three of their games that they lost, if not for the offense. The offense is totally caved in and cost them games with the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, the Steeler game. I'd say for sure the Seahawk game. And then you could you could make a case for the Ravens game when you jump started them with 14 points. Right. Right. Well, the defense against the uh um the Seahawks. I just don't know what the heck was going on in the first quarter. Uh, and uh, I got to uh, 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 talk with Jake and see if he can explain to me what the heck was going on in the first quarter there where they were moving the ball up and down the field. Other than that, um, I agree with you that they should have beaten the Seahawks the way that defense played after the first quarter, after those first couple of drives. Um, so let's move on here. Um, chat username also wants a prediction. Uh, he wants you to be bold and say yes or no. He wants you to be uh, uh, very clear on this. Are we making the p- playoffs this year? So uh, plant your flag, Fred. Well, I said before the season they were, and so I'm not going to change that. A lot depends on Deshaun Watson. If he plays, I mean, if he was playing the way he did in the Titans game, mm-hmm. I-, I think they would have definitely you know beating the Seahawks and he didn't play that way against the Steelers and he didn't play you know that way because he didn't play against the Seahawks the other day so as far as that's the big one but I'd say yes they're gonna make the playoffs just because of the parody in the AFC I mean I'm surprised they're they'd be in the playoffs at four and three there's been no teams to not make the playoffs since the since the NFL expanded to seven in each conference since 2020 when that started that had 10 wins. In fact, there's been several times that teams got in with nine or eight or mm-hmm. seven. Right. But 10 wins should be your goal. Only one time a team didn't make it, and that was the 10 and six Dolphins. So if you get 10 wins – you put yourself in position pretty much to make the playoffs. I'm not talking about winning the division because you get in if you win the division, but you get to 10 wins. You're four and three. That means you'd have to go six and four the rest of the way. I see six wins or more on that schedule, but they have to beat the teams that they should beat. That's been the downfall in the past with Brown's team. So, you know, if you said before the season, after five games, three and two, I would have taken it. They were three and two. I don't know, you know, what you had with the Seahawks, but a lot of people thought they'd probably been four and three, you know, maybe five and two after, mm-hmm. you know, seven games. So they're they're in a position to make a run for the playoffs, but I think these next five games really can set themselves up. You just want to chalk off and check as many wins as you can get to get to 10, whether you get them right now or somewhere. But these next five games could put you in a position. So for the final four, 
you can you can get in or final five you can get into the playoffs so i would say yes i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and say yes they're still gonna make the playoffs all right so there's the there's the answer chat username tysox 15 wants to talk about pj walker he says pj has a bunch of boneheaded throws and asked whether we think that uh uh, Stefanski is losing patience uh, with the backup quarterback. Well, not evidently enough, because today he said that he was going to be the backup and the starter if Watson doesn't go. That's why I asked the question the other day. You saw him. I threw out the idea, either on this show or sometime in writing, that maybe put together a package with DTR to run the ball, do some RPOs, and acclimate him. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things you liked about him to, to keep him over Dobbs and to keep him as the number two. Why is that all out the window when clearly P.J. Walker is not playing well and costing you games? And Stefanski bemoaned that fact on Monday, and that's why I thought there might be a change of heart. But then, unlike Jonathan Gannon, who looked at the film and said, I've seen enough of Dobbs, he's gone. Stefanski saw the film and go, I like what I see. We're going to go back with him. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but right now they think he's the best option. And so, um, and, and I just think one of the reasons they didn't make a trade is because one, they have to feel that Watson is very close and confident that he's going to be ready to play. Right. Right. And that, that that underlies the whole thing coming up this trade deadline where everybody's going, oh, you have to get Jacoby Brissett. And some of the people on our team were very strong, felt that way very strongly. Some of the other people in the media felt that way very strongly. But, you know, you only give up a day two draft pick for Jacoby Brissett if you're convinced that Watson isn't going to be back in the lineup in a week or two, right? Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, well, and, I mean, you could make a case that you need a little better option as a because the rest of the season, this he's one play away from being out, you know, yeah, obviously true. any injury. And do you feel comfortable that PJ Walker's your best option? I have to think that, you know, they're turning over stones to, to see what's out there. But I guess we did, he did run a little more the other day. But I was of the opinion, and I think a lot of Browns fans were, when they went to this uh, Deshaun Watson skill set, that that's what DTR had. And I Mm -hmm. assume P.J. Walker was like that. He doesn't really run or scramble like you would expect he would. Um, And he's only 5'10", so that's one of the reasons his pass went off the helmet of Jamal Adams. And so, you know, there's a little bit of – of, you know, perplexity with their thinking, but, you know, obviously they, they just must feel that there's not a better option at this time. Right. And Paul wants to talk about the, the whole DTR thing from, from what I understand, um, the whole DTR might start, uh, threads, uh, began because, um, Kevin, my question yeah, it was he was noncommittal, right? About right. who was going to play quarterback earlier in the week, so it sort of sounded like, well, maybe DTR had a shot at starting. That's well, safe he to say. had, yeah, he had 
earlier when any questions he kind of named nope pj walker's the starter nope pj walker's the backup and when i asked him that monday he said well we're not going to get any roster decision that usually says i haven't decided yet but today he was he had made the decision that that it was walker will start if watson doesn't but i'm like I said, I'm tending in the direction that unless they just keep Watson out for the sake of keeping him out, I'm starting to think he he might play this week. Interesting. Interesting. That uh, that would be quite a surprise. I mean, the, the general consensus has been watch the Ravens game, see if he plays at the Ravens game, but uh, it would make all the sense in the world to have him come back for the uh, for the Cardinals uh sancho bermuda wants to know uh, maybe he was asking the guys in the chat room maybe he's asking us whether we're going to watch the steelers and the titans tomorrow uh i know i will probably be watching them but it'll be more of a hate watch because i know the titans will outgain the steelers uh three to one in offensive yards but the steelers will somehow win in the in the fourth quarter after i don't know a ball bounces off the goalpost and then bounces off a of TJ Watts head or something. I, I don't know. They always manage to win somehow and it's infuriating to watch, but I'll probably watch them anyway. Well, yeah, it'll be, it's usually somehow somewhere TJ Watt always finds himself picking up the ball and running in the end zone. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like that was one of my criticisms of, of miles. He makes a lot of sacks, a lot of plays, but he just doesn't ever seem to make that play to win the game that TJ Watt just always seems to make. But he did do that against the Colts, and he did have the big sack that should have been, you know, the end of that game the other day, you know, when the Browns could have run out the clock, but we all know what happened. So, yeah, you know, I'm like, I don't watch a lot of the games that don't, uh, really have an effect on the Browns particular. So I'm sure I'll tune in a little bit again just to see what's going on. Cameron Hayward's back. That's unfortunate because the Browns play him in a couple right. of weeks. Yeah. And so, yeah, I see Pickett's supposed to play again. I don't know about Fitzpatrick, but they'll probably find a way and you'll be sitting there going, how in the world is this team in the thick of things? Right. I, I would say something like that, except there will be a lot more expletives involved, most likely. Uh, I don't Chuck's... say expletives. <laughs> I, you know, I do. Chuck Smith says, it's sure starting to feel like the Browns have thrown the towel in for the season. Um, I don't agree with that, Fred. I'm not sure that, that you would agree with that either. Uh, but uh, some people may see the inactivity at the trade deadline and say that this team is not pulling all the the strings that it needs to in order to uh, go to the playoffs. Uh, what would you have done, Fred, at the at the trade deadline? Uh, what would you have really have liked to have seen? Well, I don't know who's available to them. Um, I'm I'm I've said it on here. You know, it's not like baseball at the trade deadline. You can get a bat. The guy that hits. I was a baseball player. You just go up and hit. It doesn't matter what team you're on. It's an individual thing. Same way with pitching. That's why I think 
you know, in baseball, there's more trade deadline. In football, it takes time to assimilate. If you would have traded for a quarterback, I mean, even Jacoby Brissett, I don't think he would have played this weekend. And if you were expecting him to help you, the first chance would be the Ravens game. And you're already planning on, I would think, Deshaun Watson at least playing in that game. But the the most interesting, maybe it's because of watching Ohio State not keeping up recently. I don't know how Chase Young gets traded for a third round pick. Right. You know, that to me, maybe even not for this year, but for the long-term answer opposite Miles Garrett. I don't know if Zadarius Smith, they can keep him. I like Oboe, but my goodness, you know, I know these GMs and Jack Duffin and some of our people really value trade assets, but I don't know if you're ever going to get a Chase Young in the third round. Right. Unless there's something I don't know about him. I know that he wants a lot of money. If that's the reason he went for the third round, it wasn't regular third rounds, like compens- compensation picks. So it's around a hundred. So I would have done something like that more for this year, but for the future, mm-hmm. I don't want to rent a player, you know, as far as, you know, we've seen that Andrew Barry makes a move, uses those picks. And this might be why they acquire picks. He trades like a, you know, seventh round pick and gets a guy that helped them like Dustin Hopkins right, now, right before the season and traded, you know, a six round pick to get Zadarius Smith for the season, not just a stop gap if you had a major need. So I don't disagree with making a move just to make a move. I don't know about the DPJ move, how it helps you now, if you really think you're making a playoff run, because you, you're going to put in guys that you haven't been playing with the assumption they're better than him, which leads me to question, why didn't they play ahead of him? He was starting as a wide receiver for you. Right. But, the, the only one would have been like the Chase Young types deal. Yeah. Well, I I would say, you know, just listening to you, Fred, Andrew Berry is not behaving like a general manager who thinks he's going to get fired at the end of the year if he doesn't make the playoffs. He's acting like a guy who's planning two or three years ahead. You know, he's not making that desperation move, you know, at the trade deadline. He still values the draft assets that he has. Uh, and it seems like he feels pretty confident in uh, in his future with the organization. Um, we've got three questions in the queue. I got one out of asking insiders. I want to make sure I ask you here, Fred. Uh, this next question is from Bronze. He said, Fred, what's your outlook on the season so far and moving forward? Very similar to the playoff question, I know. But uh, uh, just what's your take on the season so far compared to your expectations for it? It's been a roller coaster and it's been drama. I mean, since I've covered this team, especially since 99, there's just drama all, all the time around the quarterback, you mm-hmm. know, and I think everybody wants that to end. And this year it was supposed to end. You had, you know, obviously they made the trade and there was drama all last year because of the suspension and when he's coming back can they still salvage the season. Well, all that, they paid the price for this year. And then we have what we've had. And I wrote about it before. I didn't like the trade 
Dobbs isn't the greatest quarterback, but you put yourself in a bad position without having an experienced veteran backup. So when when Dobbs, or I mean when Watson wasn't able to play, this drama week after week after week has just been crazy. I know this isn't a popular um, narrative right now, especially with that one play call last week, but I think Kevin Stefanski's done a pretty good job of keeping mm. this team together. They're four and three, and they still have a chance to do everything they wanted to do. They just have to turn it around, and a lot of it starts with number four. If right. he comes back and plays, even like he did with the Titans game, I think they'll be well on their way to having a great season and the playoffs. But if he just comes back and be manageable and not turn the ball over, we've seen with the defense and the special teams, they can be in every game and win. Just last week, you gave up three straight scores to open the game, but really only gave up 24 points in the game. And one was on the mm -hmm. short field after the turnover. So this offense should be able to score over 20 points a game. The defense right. is giving up right now an average of 19.9 a game. Mm -hmm. Just manage the game and not make turnovers, and you win, I think, all of the games you play. It could be 7-0. Right. and 0. Right. It's, it's the 17 turnovers. 17 turnovers lead the NFL. I don't know how anybody could win games you know, with 17 turnovers in seven games, especially when you haven't taken that many away. So I think Stefanski somehow, some way, you know, has managed through all this, mm -hmm. um, but they got to get their offense. Their offense is sitting at, you know, at the bottom, 30th in the NFL and passing. And right. Weren't we told they spent the whole off season revamping the passing game and the offense, the defense, and the special teams are at the top, and you got two new coordinators. We need to see some fruition from all this offense, and I think a lot of it's because of number four. Right, They're doing this with the worst quarterback group in the NFL statistically through seven games. Right, and, of course, they lost Nick Chubb, who was the heart and soul of their offense. Yeah, And Kevin Jack Stefanski. Conklin. And Jack Conklin, and you got Kevin Stefanski there making some – you know, orchestrating what I thought was a really good game plan, pulling the rabbit out of the hat a couple of times with some of his play calls until that third and three call that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, but uh, by and large, I was impressed up until that moment. Uh, let's get to some of these other questions. Uh, uh, Gagan asks, did Jim Schwartz have any word on what's going on with the fourth quarter, those critical meltdowns? Or has he, uh, has he not had a chance to talk yet this week to the media? Coordinators talk every Thursday, so he talks tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Um, you know, it comes down the players got to make plays, too. I mean, the biggest criticism is it seems like they need to get jump-started. You know, the, the 49ers took the opening kickoff, went all the way 80 yards for a touchdown, then they shut them down pretty much the rest of the way. The other day it took – you know, three drives, the first two, they scored touchdowns and then they held them to a field goal. And then they were lights out the next seven drives. Again, I don't think it's no excuse, but you jump started the Seahawks 
they have they have some talent on offense, and you jump started them by giving them a new life with that turnover. We all saw right. it. We all know. Um, they had penalties. You had too many on the field. I mean, it was just. I don't, I don't know, but I, I do know that he wasn't happy about it. Um, I don't think you can blame it all on him. I mean, I think he, they were, they were down a cornerback there late in the game. They did have some turnovers. They had some big stops, but yeah, they, they couldn't do it, but I liked their chances much better if you would have punted it and had them down there inside the 10, which I'm pretty sure that's, the way Bahorquez has been punting, they would have had a long field to go and it would have given you a much better chance to get off that field. And you probably would have, you know, had less than a minute to start instead of close to two minutes. So right, right. we'll see well, what he says tomorrow. But as far as I don't blame him, I think even with that, even with the three first drives, that's where they lost the game on defense. If you want to pin anything on it was giving up 17 points to start the game, not one touchdown at the very end, even though that was obviously the game winner. Well, I, you know, like I wrote after the game, um, you can tell that uh, it's much more, it's much easier to get emotionally engaged with this Browns team because there's some hope involved with this Browns team, because here we are playing that play over and over and over again in our minds and doing this what-if sort of thing. And that's what happens when uh, you lose a heartbreaker and uh, it means something to you. Uh, Rocky Balboa writes in, he says, what's Fred's opinion of Watson mentally? Is he in his own head? Does he still need time to heal mentally from the media onslaught? Is there any sign of that? in his comments to the media, Fred? No, he seems very confident. He almost laughs at any of those type questions. Um, he does have, I don't know what the technical term, he's got a mental kind of, I don't know if it's a therapist or what, that they have on mm -hmm. staff that he meets with, counseling, that kind of stuff. He, I believe he's carried on with that, some of the stuff that he was, you know, mandated by the NFL. So he says he's in a good place. Players I talked to around him said he's in good place. He's just frustrated with this shoulder situation, which right. I can't blame him. You know, he's tired of all the questions. He's tired of being, um, you know, accused of not wanting to play or anything like that. In other words, it almost be like, okay, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. Kurt, Cousins tears his Achilles. That's the end of it, right? Now, when are you going to be back? With Watson, he doesn't look like he's hurt. And he knows there's something in there. It's bothering him that he can't throw the ball the way he needs to throw it. And I think that's the biggest thing. So I think he'll be fine. I just think, you know, human nature is you have doubt creep in a little bit. But I think mm -hmm. that... That's one of the things I think why it would be good to get him out there this week, you know, and I'm sure he's got some rust again since that Titans game. I don't think you really got much going against the Colts. It was all negative. So I yeah. think he is going to have to, you know, get some positive things going, but I'd rather have it this week. I think it's an easier chance to overcome mistakes this week than it would be against the Ravens. 
Yeah, it makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, question uh, from Ask the Insiders uh, that I brought along with me tonight uh, has to do with the firing uh, last night, the sudden firing of Josh McDaniels and uh, TDFC PNY. Uh, right, since McDaniels was nearly selected as our coach as being the guy, what are your thoughts on the selection of Stefanski looking back? In my opinion, it just goes to show that McDaniels was not some magic solution. But uh, we've got four years of Stefanski in the books. Um, looking back on that decision, Stefanski, the right choice. Is he getting better as a head coach, in your opinion, Fred? Is he uh, showing signs of becoming one of the better coaches in the NFL, in your opinion? I don't know about that as far as, you know, but I think he's definitely anybody who learns by experience. I mean, we've seen here the hard way, guys. There's all kinds of guys that were lower-level coaches with the Browns that are now very successful in other areas, and they all know what they're doing, and it just takes time. I mean, I've talked to Pittsburgh people that have wanted to get rid of Tomlin for a long time over there, and it's like, geez, all he does is figure out to take a – underperforming roster and, and turn them into winners, you know? Mm. Uh, I think, I think the jury's still out long-term, but I think he's bright. I think he adapts. I think that was a good game. I mean, the other day, I mean, they shortened the game with the running game stuck with it. He made one bad call in my opinion that cost him the game. Unfortunately, <laughs> he has some, questions with time management and things like that. But I do think he's getting better in 2020. He was the coach of the year in the NFL. I don't think he's become stupid. Um, right. So I just, I just think anything, it comes down to players playing. If Watson was playing like they expected him to play, they went all in with him. If he was playing at a pro bowl level, I, I can almost guarantee you this team is six and one or seven and oh right now. Certainly right. at least five and two. And nobody's talking about Kevin Stefanski doesn't know what he's doing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, if, uh, what is it the Ty Sox is saying here? If we catch the pick six, Kevin Stefanski is a genius. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I've always rather cynically said that the head coach is usually about as smart as his quarterback play, plays, right? You know, head coach with a great quarterback, look, Bill Belichick with Brady. Yeah, I was going to say, look brilliant. at Bill Belichick. Does he really look like a genius without Brady? Exactly. You know, in his tree, has anybody really been successful leaving there? I mean, maybe Mike Vrabel, but he's not an offensive guy. Josh McDaniels now has failed at two different spots. And most of the guys that have went, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, you know, there's been a bunch of them. I'm not right. disparaging Bill Belichick. He's a Hall of Fame coach. But Tom Brady and him, you know, went a long way. You take Brady yeah. out of the picture, and what have they done? Yeah. Tom Brady made them look a lot smarter. And uh, a Deshaun Watson playing at the level that he played when he was down in Houston would uh, add a few IQ points to uh, Kevin Stefanski's score as well, I'm sure. And uh, I'd love to see that happen. Uh, Fred, thank you as always for uh, uh, hanging out with me here for an hour and answering the questions from uh, the chat rooms. Um, does it matter? Ask in the YouTube chat room for people to hit that like button. Please, on your way out, 
hit the like button. We really appreciate it. And subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and thank you very much, everyone, for hanging out with us again this Wednesday. And we will be back next Wednesday at 7 o'clock to celebrate the Browns' win over the Cardinals. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks.